Wizards fans, welcome to another edition of Off the Bench presented by the Alibaba Group. Zach Rosen here from WashingtonWizards.com. Joining me today, we have Chris Gehring and Jackson Filio. Uh, guys, we are back from the West Coast. Uh, not the best road trip for the Wizards, but they did pick up a win in Phoenix on a back-to-back, which was a very important win. We're going to dive into that trip as well as preview the next four games. We've got four games coming up in the next uh five days basically including today Tuesday um, another busy week for the Wizards uh, in December they'll be on the road a lot this month so um, you know this team has basically played what 60 to 70 percent of their games on the road already uh, so something they're used to um, but the West Coast so we saw three of the the best teams in the West and Denver the Lakers and the Clippers they kind of gave it to the Wizards um, but before we kind of, you know, d- dive into that, I want to talk about the win in Phoenix, which was a really good win off a of back-to-back. I mean, the Wizards put up a lot of points, a lot of contributions from, from different players. Um, that win. Yeah, it was, I think, the, the you know, the defensive issues, I think we're going we're gonna to hear about them all season, and, and that's fine. But I, th- I think that the, the way that Ish Smith played in that game was, was out of control. I mean, you kind of saw... I, way back in the way back in the day, I think two or three years ago, John Wall made a comment about playing against Ish Smith, who had been a, uh, who had been a training camp player for the Wizards, uh, just about how he's so difficult to guard, he's so hard to stay in front of because he's he's really shifty, but he's really quick, and um, we saw that on full display. I mean, he and not only just his quickness as an athlete. But his ability to finish from, I mean, we saw him in that game finish from literally every angle possible. He hit a couple threes, um, and his and his his passing ability, I mean, he made some some highlight reel passes in that game as well. And so he stood out to me. Bradley Beal scored 35 points. That's something that we know that he's capable of doing on any given night. Another good night for, for Thomas Bryant, 23 points, 9 rebounds. So just a, a ton of really good contributions. Um Davis Berton's on this entire trip. We we, we we talked about the fact that he's a an all world shooter, but he has been consistently unreal on this trip, and hopefully it'll continue when we get back home. But I think that was another like high level takeaway is just how good he is. And watching some of the watching some of the threes that he hit on this trip go in, and watching opposing benches react, just being like, "There's literally nothing we could do." He pulled up on the break. He pulled up off of pin downs, off of screens. It was. It didn't really matter. He was hitting shots from everywhere, and that's the kind of thing that I think he, he's taken his game to another level with the opportunity that he's been given. Um, so Ish and, and Davis, two standouts for me on this trip and, and in that Phoenix game in particular. I think Davis had four threes in that game as well. So th- those two guys really stood out to me, and it's it's been fun to watch them kind of thrive in expanded roles that they haven't really gotten a chance to have in their careers to this point. I mean, when you look at each one of Washington's outstanding offensive performances this season, the two consistencies have been a great performance from Brad and a great performance from the bench. Brad goes for 35, an efficient 35. I believe it was 11 of 18 or something close to that. The bench had 43 points in the first half alone, finished with 59, which was um, not average for them, but you know, you know, something that we've seen them do time and time again this season the Wizards are three and one this year in games where they score 135 points which is an insane number (laughs) but when you consider the way this team plays the pace the amount of shots that they get up um, 
you know, it, it would be one thing if, you know, in all of these 130 plus point games, they weren't finding ways to win. But when the Wizards do, you know, hit that number, when they score 135 points, they're, they're turning it into wins. The only loss has been that Houston game, the 159-158 shootout. So, um, you know, it, when they get production off the bench from the guys you mentioned, Chris, it's they're hard to stop. And, you know, you talked about Thomas Bryant as well, having one of his best games of the season, 23-9. and nine. Also dished out five assists, um, which is, you know, something we've seen him improve on a little bit this season, averaging a career-high 2.7 assists per game, which is double what he did last year. So, um, you know, with young players, we always talk about can they add something new to their game every year. Um, whether that's just a product of the pace the Wizards are playing and the very up-tempo offense, maybe. But um, he's certainly shown the propensity to improve a little bit by bit. And you know, if his passing stays up, it can be a big help to the Wizards' offense. And, of course, on this trip, the Wizards <clears throat> ran into some juggernauts in the West. Obviously, I think their defenses stood out the most, um, especially you know the Wizards don't play the best defense in the NBA, as we all know. And... Uh, to hold them, you know, to their lower averages. I mean, they scored 125 in the Clippers, but also gave up 150. But the the Nuggets and Lakers really locked them down. Um, what I think straight up, like, who did you got? Who were you guys most impressed with out of the three teams? I think they were all at full strength, so we got to see them on their home courts. Um, I'll say from my perspective, I thought the Lakers had the. I mean, no surprise, they had the craziest atmosphere. Um, the Clippers was better than it's been in the past, I would say, and the Nuggets is always a good atmosphere. They have a good fan base, and there was a snowstorm, and it was still almost full. Um, I think in the games that we got to see, the thing that stood out to me is the Lakers turned it on kind of after the Wizards went up 15-4, to whereas the Clippers were just locked in from the get-go. And although the Wizards only trailed by four after one quarter, they just took over in the second quarter. The Nuggets kind of did the same. <clears throat> and Jokic wasn't really that aggressive, so like I, I don't think that was the Nuggets' best performance. But the Clippers, to me, really stood out. I mean, I don't, I don't know what a, a Clippers-Lakers conference finals is going to look like. I think we're heading that direction. But the defensive promise that uh, the Clippers have, in addition to the pick and roll with Harrell and Lou Williams, who. Harold just killed the Wizards. It didn't help that Mo Wagner missed the game. I mean, <laughs> they needed another body down there. They had one center on the whole team. Um, that that Clippers team is very good when healthy. Yeah, I think the fact that we know that we know that the Clippers will improve defensively when you have guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that have really have not played together a ton. I mean, those are those are two All NBA players, no doubt. And so I think you expect their learning curve, their adjustment curve, whatever you want to call it, to be shorter than most because they're so good they're such intelligent players they're so individually talented but really with the rest of their teammates I mean playing defense is about playing defense as a team in the NBA you have to play defense as a team in the NBA once they figure all those pieces out the fact that they're able to put up 150 on somebody on any given night not that the Lakers can't do that but I think the Clippers are I think they're just really way more around a team we saw the I think the Lakers and and Nuggets, the the way that they were able to defend the Wizards is definitely a product of two teams that, for the most part, have played together a little bit more. Uh, Anthony Davis is obviously new in in a Lakers uniform, but a lot of that team has played together before. I think they found some new focus, but the the nature of Kawhi and PG thirteen are kind of like 
they're just two guys that I, I think they just arrive at the arena locked in always. They're just they're they're always keeping an even keel at at all times in interviews, in practice, in games. And so they come into that ready to play every single time. And so I think to me that's the most impressive because in a playoff series, it's just I think that they're just made to have success in the playoffs. And the Lakers are too. And I, I think it's likely that we'll see them meet. It's gonna be fascinating to watch those two play a playoff series, hopefully. But I would I would still have to give the edge to the Clippers. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the scariest thing about that Clippers team is among the three, they probably feel the furthest from a finished product. Um, they have a lot of developing to do together as their two biggest pieces have you know, yet to become fully acclimated with each other, it feels like. Um, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis on with the Lakers felt like a perfect mold of two playing styles from the jump and they wasted no time getting to uh what feels like full steam the league's in trouble if this isn't full steam with those two guys um but just the amount of guys that the clippers can throw at you the the lakers have a duo that is almost unstoppable when they're uh you know humming but if if it happens where they're not able to play at full steam together on one night um you know, who picks up for that Lakers team? Who finds um, the production when they can't? The Clippers, on nights when, you know, Paul George or Kawhi are off, they got guys. They've got, you know, the best bench in the league offensively, defensively. Lou Williams can yeah. get a bucket with the best of them. Montrez Harrell is a major key, yeah. Owned the paint, owned the paint against the Wizards, can, um, you know, defend at a high level, can score. He had 20-plus against the Wizards. Um, you know, th- th- they're just they're scary already and it doesn't feel like they're close to there it, yeah in the early going it seemed like with with the clippers the level never dropped when whenever somebody else came off the floor when Kawhi, when paul george came off the floor the level never dropped some of the early numbers with some of the early on off numbers between lebron and ad being on the floor together and one of them being on the floor specifically anthony davis alone without lebron there's a little bit of a discrepancy there early in the going we'll see how that plays out but yes the 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 two of them together is lethal just as the two of paul george and Kawhi is lethal um but yeah the 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 rounded effort from the clippers i thought was the most impressive to me and the wizards will see the clippers again this sunday as part of you know they got three and out of four at home this week um speaking of the clippers game is rui hachimura's best game of his career his young career through 18 games uh, he had 30 points and nine rebounds, shot 13 of 23 from the field, and really scored from all over. Um, probably could have got a few more free throw calls that he didn't get. Maybe could have gotten up to 35. Um, but, you know, what stood out to you guys about his performance? I think the way that he was able to rebound, the way that he can score around the basket is going to be such a key for him. I, the fact that he scored 30 points is, I think it's just the beginning, but as he becomes a more consistent shooter, um, you know, he was two for five from three, hit some threes, but I thought that, you know, getting nine rebounds, being active in the paint, getting easy points, um, I think is a huge component for him. And his his ability to know where he is on the floor, understand spacing, and gaining that, gaining comfort with his teammates, I think is, that's only the beginning. Uh, he's He has a good advanced understanding, of course. We've heard that a lot throughout the, the preseason and the early season. But I think as he gets more comfortable, as, he's, as he gets more reps in NBA games, this is going to become more regular. I mean, 23 field goal attempts. He really was was fed in the post and for well down low, and he's able to hit that mid range game as well. 
something that I think can go. I mean, it, we've seen it against a lot of teams, that mid-range area on the floor. It goes unguarded largely in the NBA these days. It's not a priority for defenses, and that's an area of the floor that he can exploit with, with some of the best in the league. Yeah, I think he showed an aggressiveness that we hadn't seen from him yet. And it's not a knock on his early season performance, but he had been primarily a finesse guy. A lot of mid-range jumpers, as you guys mentioned, a lot of creative, tricky moves in transition and stuff like that. And um, as you guys said, he got to the rim with relative ease against a very, very good defensive team in the Clippers. Eight of his 13 made baskets came within three feet. He he got what he wanted um, that night. And uh, for a rookie to come in and to be able to do that against one of the best teams in the league, one of the best defenses in the league, it's uh, incredibly impressive. We saw Doc Rivers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George all complimented him before and after the game, which was awesome for him to hear, I'm sure. Um, he really has just sh- kind of shined in the spotlight. I think that's the, the good thing about him. Like Those are the brightest lights. I mean, against the Lakers, he was pretty solid, 16 points, limited action. So um, definitely encouraging one of the – I think, without a doubt, has been one of the most productive rookies so far this year. Um, another interesting thing that happened in the Clippers game, the second half, I, or sorry, Isaac Bonga, <laughs> as we get his pronunciation correct, and the whole league tries to figure it out, <laughs> started the second half over Troy Brown Jr. Kind of gave the Wizards a spark, and after the game, Coach Brooks was just saying they wanted a spark, they needed a defensive stopper. Kind of, you know, alluding one way or the other, you can take what you want from what he said. Um but I think it's interesting now that C.J. Miles is hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Right. The Wizards seem to be going back to the Bonga starting. I think it gives them more of an impact right away. Maybe have Troy play the majority of the minutes, but to have Bonga start, maybe he fits better with Brad and IT. Um, but it, it's interesting when injuries come up on a young team, how the coach, you know, with limited resources, you know, it's not like there's an IR where you can activate someone or an injured list. Like you just have to do with what you have in basketball with your roster. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. But I I think that he, Isak that that is showed that he he will at least always give you consistent effort. He's the type of player that you know, the frame his frame is the prototypical NBA three and three and D type frame. Obviously, like all all of the. You know, improving his perimeter shot on offense, all that stuff, that's all coming along. He's a teenager, and that's going to take some time. But he's shown the ability to get in passing lanes, to be to give a great effort against oftentimes the team's the, – the opponent's best player is oftentimes either going to be their point guard or be a wing. And he's, he's taken that challenge early. I think that, you know, to varying levels of success, but that's that's true with any defensive player in the NBA when you're going up against – all of these elite offensive talents every single night it's going to happen sometimes they're going to get the best of you but I think that he can set a tone with this starting lineup and and there's obviously plenty of offensive potency in the starting lineup Brad IT even Thomas um so having a guy who can specialize on defense who can take that responsibility and give guys like IT and Brad a little bit of a breather on the other end I think that's a formula that we've seen work and, and hopefully it'll continue for for the Wizards as they get as they get home finally yeah I mean the offense you know obviously as you mentioned isn't his strength but the the Wizards have been so good on that end of the court if even if you're sacrificing just a few points on on that end if he can make a difference on the defensive end that's that's where you know wins and losses can start to change for the Wizards so um you know you come off a West Coast road trip 
like this one, you learn a lot about yourself. The Wizards have a much clearer understanding of where the team is, and you know if it's time to mix some things up a little bit, this is uh, a pretty solid place to start. When we talk about how strong the bench is, you put Troy Brown on the bench, <laughs> you have right. an even stronger bench that can really score yep. and compete. So, you know, this is a season of development. You're going to see a lot of changes, I think, all season long. There's going to be constants. Like, Brad is probably not going to exit the starting lineup at any point. <laughs> but any, I think anything else is on the table. So yeah. it's interesting to see how Coach Brooks will mix it up. Um, and we may see, you know, Bonga start tonight against the Magic to open up this three out of four at home. Uh, so the Wizards will take on the Magic Tuesday night, then host the 76ers Thursday night, the first look at that juggernaut, be debuting this uh, Stars and Stripes City Edition jerseys, then a back-to-back in Miami Friday, which is never easy, uh, especially on a back-to-back, and then they'll host the Clippers on Sunday. So a really tough schedule coming up. The first game back from a West Coast road trip is never easy. Um, but we've seen the Magic and the Clippers already. Magic will be without Nikola Vucevic, who's out. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu is also out. They still have Fournier, who's been really good lately. Aaron Gordon. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is back, who the Wizards didn't see last time in Orlando. Um, just any quick thoughts about playing these familiar opponents that they've already seen? Yeah, I think Vucevic being out, and, and Al Farouk Aminu, but really Vucevic, it, it can change the entire complexion of how they're going to attack the Wizards offensively. I don't, I don't really know exactly how that's going to look, but it will be a, a little bit different look for the for the Wizards. Um, the same guys we talked about before, guys that can heat up at any given time. DJ Augustine, Terrence Ross, those are just guys that you, you know, if you're if you're going down the list on the scouting report without guys like Vucevic, those are the guys that you really cannot let get into a rhythm early. I think that's something that would be a great assignment for a guy like Isak Banga, making sure that one of the two or both. Uh, aren't able to really find any comfort level early because that can change a game and so we'll see from them Um, but but the Sixers uh, we knew going into the season that they're going to be an incredibly difficult opponent they they will be they are they've they're off to a great start Joel Embiid is is a monster he's an automatic double double almost and so we'll we'll see a lot we'll see a lot of different looks from them it's going to be a really really tough assignment and then Miami, red hot at home. I think they, I think they're playing really well on their home floor this season. And you know, playing in Miami is never easy. And playing on a home road back to back, even more so, never easy. Especially coming off of this West Coast trip and really just having being thrown right back into it with three games in four days. Yeah, I think Philly, among all of them, might be the most interesting. Those guys, um, you know, throw as much size and length at you as any team in the league and for a Wizards team that has really struggled to get to the free throw line this season where are you able to find offense against a team like that are you going to have to just shoot over them all night long if if that's the case the Wizards are more than willing to play that way they've they've shown that this season but then you better hope the shots go in uh, or it's going to be a long night so can the Wizards find a way to get into a paint against a Philadelphia, Philadelphia defense that's you know, as tough as there is in the league and maybe find a way to get to the free throw line. That could make a huge difference in a game like that. Yeah, and with Miami, I think they've got a lot of maybe not well-known names outside of Jimmy Butler. I mean, Bam Adebayo is playing at such a high level. Rookie Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, they have two rookies making a huge impact in the rotation. Duncan Robinson starts. I mean, just a very, very 
tough team to play against. I mean, they kind of carry the MO of every Heat team we've seen the last couple of years, but they do have Jimmy Butler, no more Hassan Whiteside, um, kind of, you know, bringing them down. And uh, Adebayo, like, was unleashed basically this year. And I think you see that a lot of times where the young player finally gets the chance to play the majority of the minutes, and he's he's making an impact. And don't forget about, like, Kelly Olenek, James Johnson. Dragic has been really good off the bench. Yep. They just have a lot of pieces, very well coached. And, yeah, the Sixers game, I'm excited to, to see what they look like. They've really been kind of up and down. I mean, I don't think they've lost at home, but they've been tough. They've had a tough time on the road. Um, you know, Embiid put up, what, zero points in Toronto recently. Yeah. Man, Toronto, another team we haven't seen yet that I'm excited to watch. Um, but, yeah, this is probably the hardest part of the Wizards' schedule um, in terms of opponents and how many games they're playing. So we're going to continue to learn a lot about them. Uh, going into this stretch as we're basically in the middle of it. Uh, they're 6-12 and 12 going into tonight against Orlando. Um, big, I would say probably the most important game of the week, the most winnable game, you're home. I know you're tired, you're back on from this trip, but um, a shorthanded team, you got to protect home court, and then you've got a hell of a schedule coming up over the weekend starting Thursday. So uh, Stars and Stripes jersey Thursday. Uh, will be exciting to see those debuted. Um, not a ton going on outside of that, just some uh, community events, really. there's <laughs> With the game schedule right now, there's just not a lot of free time. Yeah. Um, and then next week, the Wizards schedule will be a little lighter, but includes two trips. you got Charlotte uh, for a one-gamer and then heading out to Memphis and Detroit for a two-gamer. Um, so December, Wizards are not home a ton. Um, so we encourage you to come out this week. I'm sure a lot of people are trying to go to the Sixers and Clippers games um, and Miami later in the month. So for now, I think that's all we've got. Uh, we'll probably get back to you on Monday recapping uh, the, f- what is that, four, four games. games? Wow, yeah. another four games, folks. Um, and before the team heads out to Charlotte. So uh, for Zach Rosen, Chris Gehring, and Jackson Filio, we'll talk to you soon.